Welcome to All Up In My Lady Business. I am your host, Mary Nisi. On this podcast, I'll explore the fine line between having it together and losing your shit. Here I share my journey as an entrepreneur, a mom, a wife, a DJ, and randomly a beekeeper. I have no shame and no filter except the ones I use on Instagram. My stories of resilience, a little structure, and a lot of resourcefulness can show you how to take those same things and live your life with your whole ass. Thanks for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to All Up In My Lady Business. Uh, It has been a while since I last wrapped at you. How you doing? What's going on? I'm actually recording this one at my house. We repainted the office, and so things are kind of a little screwy up there. So I'm uh, I'm recording this at home, which uh, feels weird <laughs> to be doing this here, and I hope it sounds okay. On today's episode, I'm going to give you a little recap of what I did on summer vacation and the, uh, the final button on my umbilical surgery, and uh, hopefully it's going to be... Uh, a fun, sexy time. Uh, so what has happened since June? I moved and, um, you know, it's so funny. Everybody is like, moving's terrible, moving's terrible. And I'm like, whatever. Like, how hard can moving be? I'm here to tell you that it's terrible. The entire process of finding houses, I mean, we went over it last last time. I don't need to necessarily go into into uh, any kind of granular detail on what it was like to uh, buy the new home. But you know, it's like I started the packing process so early. Like I thought I was like so ahead of it. I started it a month early and I did get a lot done and I was trying to get ahead of it. And I got all these boxes and I joined all these box groups on Facebook and got a bunch of uh, secondhand boxes. So I didn't feel like I was completely ruining the environment with my move. And it's like everyone was saying that moving's terrible. And I thought like, I always kind of feel like I'm sort of exception to the things that other, like that everybody has, you know, like finds a hard time with, but I'm not. Like I used to move all the time. Like before, when I moved to Chicago, I moved here when I was 19 and I lived in the dorms at DePaul. And then I moved out before the end of the year into an apartment with these two girls. Uh, and I lived in Lakeview. I lived there for like four months. And then I moved to an apartment for a couple more months uh, at Belmont and Sheffield. Uh, and then I started the school year. I had moved in to this apartment on Greenview and Belden in Lincoln Park. So that was three moves inside of a year. And then I moved from there to my apartment in Wicker Park, 1613 North Winchester. Many of you may have gone to parties there, lots of parties. I lived there for 10 years. And I moved to my condo. I lived there for 2005 to 2010. So five years I lived there, six, four years I lived there. Then I was in my house for 12 years. And it's like, I've moved before and it wasn't that bad. It was always relatively easy. But those last times I moved, it wasn't like after I lived in a house for 12 years in the same house and another person, another adult, and then also the child. I mean, it brings up so much shit when you move. I kept finding things that I thought I lost, like weird hobbies that are abandoned. Like I found a lot of like sewing needlepoint and embroidery things that I would do for like 
a second. My mother-in-law got me these paint by sticker books that I loved. And there was a period of time where I was doing them like crazy. And then somehow like the book got closed and then shoved underneath something. And, you know, I found those. It also, what also was weird was like all the stuff that I wanted to do to the house. I never did. It's like all this potential energy that just didn't get anything done with it. Like what happens to energy when you don't use it? There's old cards from friends you don't talk to anymore and clothes you don't fit in, either on the plus side or the minus side. Clothes you haven't seen in a long time, but you remember what you were doing when you wore them and you just can't get rid of it. Like I'm a low-key hoarder, so I keep a lot of weird memories and that's always a mind fuck. Like the band t-shirts and I have all these weird sweaters of my dad's. I have like three or four sweaters of my dad's that like on the, I used to wear them like ironically when I was in high school and now they just they just kind of hold his energy now and I just kind of can't get rid of them. I have like my prom dress and my homecoming dresses. Like what am I holding on to these for? I don't have a I don't know. I I'm just not getting rid of them though. And um I don't know. It's weird. I'm having like a like a weird identity crisis now that I'm up here. Like I was this city person through and through and I was never going to leave and I felt like I was a city person and I and it was a thing I was the most ambivalent about like coming up here. Like everyone's like, "Aren't you excited?" and I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know if I'm excited. Like I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And I'm only moved 9 miles away. It's not like I moved to the middle of nowhere. And I don't really know what or why I felt like I had to stay in the city forever. And when I was there, I didn't know why anyone would want to leave. Like how could, how good could things be or not be there, you know, up, up like in wherever I was going to go? Like, what was I giving up? Like, what have I given up? And then I had this thought the other day that was kind of bone chilling where I was like, is living up here going to make me soft? And what does soft mean? And if I do stop being hard, is that bad? Why do I want to be hard? Like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I've already softened a bit and I've only been here for a month. John said the first week we were here that it feels like we're on vacation. And I've heard the same thing from like every neighbor that I've met that's moved here in the last two to five years that moved from the city. So I'm like, wait, that means this feeling is not going to end. And I feel like living somewhere where you feel like you're on vacation all the time isn't a feeling that can last forever. I'm just too cynical. And I think the reason why this vacation-y feel is happening is because in the city, you have this kind of constant flow of cortisol flowing through your blood, you know, from the traffic and the noise and the angry people and the trash and the broken things and like, you know, and it makes you just kind of constantly on edge. And there is no noise where I am now. Like, it's all just trees and cicadas. They're so loud. I can hear owls when I sit on my back porch at night. There's a sound that I'm fairly certain sounds like it could be a frog uh, that happens all the time. Um, Sebastian walks through a little forest when he goes to school, which is 10 minutes from my house walking. I can drive to the grocery store. I can get a whole week's worth of food. And that whole errand is done inside of an hour. Like I've never grocery shopped inside of an hour. It's just like everything is so much easier. And Sebastian has taken to it like a fish to water. And John's been gunning for this for years. So they're psyched. You know, it's like they both are like, they just, they're just great. They're really happy about the whole thing. And I'm happy too. I I really am. Like, I really kind of love it up here. Like everybody's been really nice. And, you know, the, the entire social situation that I've come to realize it revolves around like school and kids and events. 
Like we've already gone to like six parties since school started and it hasn't even been two weeks since we started school. It's really hard to try to make new friends as a 47 year old. <laughs> like I haven't had to make any friends since I was 19 or I haven't had to make like a pool of friends since I was 19, which is, it's a very weird feeling. Like I'm having all of these weird feelings of insecurity and like that I'm like not good enough or I'm weird or like no one's going to like me. The standing around and trying to insinuate yourself into conversations is really humbling and weird. It's like this high stakes networking event where I like, I assume everybody already has enough friends and no one needs one more. And, you know, when I get uncomfortable, I just started saying like really weird things. I've explained that before. It's like I'm daring people to want to be my friend. And I'm having these weird insecure feelings like, um, am I wearing the right thing? Like I went to a party the other night and I like agonized over what I was going to wear. And I landed on wearing this bright orange dress. Like I was the brightest person there. But you know what? I hadn't worn that. I've only worn the dress once because of the old COVID. And like, I just wanted to wear it. And I walked in and I definitely maybe was one of the more dressed up people, but it was fine. That maybe would have like sent me into like a crippling, I maybe would have left when I was younger. But what's weird is like, I have a lot of self-confidence now. Like I know who I am. I feel like people are gonna like me, uh, I hope. And it's weird. I feel like the the feelings that I'm having moving up here and like the feelings of insecurity and what, they seem more like an echo of a feeling than actually what I feel. If that makes any kind of sense, like, oh, the last time you felt you you had to make new friends and didn't know anybody and you didn't know the rules and you didn't know, like you had to, like, where I like kind of entered, like I walked in the front door and was like, I had no crib sheet. Like I was 19 moving here in the fall, like I'm doing now. And it's, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting feeling to be someplace new, trying to make new friends. And everybody has been very cool. But it's like, you know, part of the problem, like I went to this party the other night, it was, it was like a mom's wine night. And um, that's what it was like called. And it was a, it was like a fundraiser for the PTA. And um, I was so nervous because it was going to be like, like 60 women had RSVP'd for this. So I'm like, Oh, great. Every mom from school is going to be at this party. And I don't drink anymore. And I don't know anybody. And like I say, I, I, I get kind of weird when I'm uncomfortable. And even though I don't drink anymore and I know that it is a strength and it will serve me way better to go through it sober and like the next day is always always going to be great. It feels weird. Like I wish I could just like crack open a wine and just sort of like ease into like the 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 easiness of drinking where you kind of just no one's going to really remember what you said. People are going to be more I don't know there's there's kind of like a more camaraderie that goes on sort of. But I will say when I I walked in the door and it was great. Like I, I actually stayed, I stayed until midnight. I was there for like five hours and had a, I had a really good time and I made some friends and had like a great conversations with a lot of different people. And I, you know, and everyone's been so nice and cool. I haven't met one drip yet. Maybe I'm the drip. I'm probably the drip. Am I the drip? Am I 19? <laughs> So one of the things that I've been trying to work on this summer, amongst the buying and selling of houses and packing and parenting and trying to keep my shit together, which has been really, really fucking hard. Did I mention that moving sucks? Is this rebranding or rather like branding myself, taking 
all of the things to the next level. I kind of teased this at the end of last season. Prior to COVID, I was trying to move in this direction and I've been trying to get more momentum behind it as it seems like Toast and Jam like is finally kind of simmering down a bit from the COVID. I had done some speaking uh, and a bit of consulting this year and I just want to do more of that. You know, I made the Toast and Jam Lab the online course to teach DJs how to grow and scale their businesses. Uh, in the summer of 2019, And it's time to kind of get that out in the world and kind of really start putting some marketing behind it. I spent a good chunk of the spring making this origin story video that was super fun. And oh my God, it's amazing if I do say so myself. The video has this Wes Anderson meets drunk history vibe uh, that really gets to the essence of who I am. Um, It will be linked in the show notes, but I worked on it for a couple months over the summer with Ben Mahoney's, um, who's a great, good friend of mine here in Chicago, his production company. And... I worked with this director. Uh, her name's Emily Barber, and it was she did such an incredible job, and her whole team was amazing. I got to work with an entirely female crew, which they had never worked with before, and they were all like, "This was the easiest and best thing I've ever that they've ever done." And I think it was because it was just all a bunch of ladies working on it. So anyway, now I kind of feel like so I've got this. I made this like this origin story video, and I just kind of feel like I'm ready for this new stage in my career. But who knows? I am, I'm just doing it. It's like this podcast. I just kind of do it. And I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I just feel like it can only get better from here. And I, I just, I've made this new website. And it's kind of like a parent company. It's called A Mary Nisi Production. And there on my website that I've got at AmeriNisiProduction.com, I have all these ways for people to find me and hire me to do all kinds of things for you. And I just really just love helping people. I really do. I like to serve. And I have once again been doing weddings again. I'm the backup DJ for when things go south and a DJ gets COVID or can't work for whatever reason. And I made it all the way until two weeks ago. Uh, the middle of August, before I got called up to dust off the old DJ controller and make some magic. And honestly, as hard as it is to have the sort of Damocles kind of hanging over my head every weekend that I might have to DJ, when it happens, it really is so much fun. It's like, you guys, I, like, I'm still really good at DJing and doing weddings. And it really is like the only place that I really know what I'm doing in all capacities. And I've loved all my clients so far that I've had to pick up for. And I have a few more before the end of the season and they'll be dope. I can feel it. So this season, I'm going to be more heavy on the interviews. I find that I really love doing them and getting all kinds of dirt out of my subjects is like, I have like a like a pretty like a pretty spectacular skill for that. And I really want to keep exploring the inner lives of my entrepreneur friends and their businesses and the struggles they have had to deal with as women. Uh, we mostly all made it up as we went along. And as a result, we have such crazy stories. And I just feel like representation matters. And I hope that you can see yourself in their stories as well. So now I got a question for you. What are you doing with your whole ass this week? When we last met, I was about to have surgery to repair my herniated belly button. So I herniated my belly button when I was pregnant with Sebastian. And then I never thought to get it fixed because no one ever told me I should get it fixed. And then finally, I got a new doctor and she's like, oh my God, you've got a really bad herniated belly button. I'm like, yeah, whatever. My belly looks like Ken's penis. And she's like, you need to take care of that because it's like bad that you know, for a variety of reasons. So I get this doctor, I go to see him and he's like, so yeah, I'll just, I'll just cut it open and snip, snip, and I'll suck this up and I'll make it happen. And I'm like, great. And he's like, I'm like, so that's it. That sounds pretty easy. And he's like, well, I mean, it depends on what kind of results you want to get. And I'm like, 
well, what do you, what do you mean? What kind of results I want to get? And he's like, well, you know, if you're looking for like radical results of like, you know, like we need to get a tummy tuck. And I'm like, uh, okay, what, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what does a, what does a tummy tuck mean? He's like, well, we cut you open from hip bone to hip bone and I'll pull up your stomach. And he like points to the area, like right, I guess below my boobs, like where we're, we're like your stomach, like inside your rib cage area. And he's like, he like points and he goes, he goes, I'd lipo all of that. And then I will lipo the rest of what you've got going on. And I sew your abs back together and then sew you back up. And, and then I cut the skin off and then it's all good. And I'm like, what do I have like a scar from hip bone to hip bone? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what's the recovery like? He's like, well, you can't walk for three weeks. And I'm like, no, there's, n- I don't know. And then I asked him how much it cost. And it was gonna be like $11,000. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm just going to stick with the belly button. He was like, okay, well, and, and the thing is, is that like, I didn't even think that I was, a. I mean, like I'm walking around with an extra 10 on me, like every red blooded 47 year old woman, <laughs> but I didn't think that I was like a candidate for a tummy tuck. I thought that was like something that, you know, like after you've had three kids and you're, you know, you, I don't know. I just, I, I just, or I thought it was like, was something you get after like, you know, a gastric bypass, you know, whatever. I just didn't think that I'd be a, a candidate for it. And, uh, and then he goes and pull, as I'm, as I get dressed and I'm leaving, he's like, oh, here's a, here, take a look at this. And he hands me an iPad and it's got like a bunch of women from the neck down who looked exactly like me. So like five, two, extra 10 pounds. Then showed like before and afters. It was like he had like a profile for like every type of woman to like saturate their insecurities and go ahead with the tummy tuck. So I was like, get away from me. This is not gonna happen. So I go to get my belly button surgery done. I go to the hospital I get into pre-op, which is like a whole production. There's like 10 people involved. And so they wheel me into the OR and they pick me up and they put me on the table and the doctor comes in and and there's all these nurses, probably like five nurses in there, all women. And then the doctor and I'm wearing two gowns. They put a sheet over my, my lower half. And then I had a, and then I had like a sheet over the top half and they open up my gown and he pulls up both. And I could tell that I was exposed. I could tell that like, I could, like you could see my lady bits. And this is like, they've already started putting the drugs in me and I'm starting to kind of go out a little bit. And I'm like, Hey, can you pull, I think, am I, I, I remember saying, am I exposed? Am I exposed? And then I fell asleep. And that was like the last thing I thought before I went out. And then the first thing I thought of when I came to was, can you see my stuff? And it was just an awful shitty feeling, but it was like, I'm on drugs. I just had surgery. You know, I haven't eaten in 24 hours. Like, you know, I'm kind of just in a woozy place and I don't, I don't say anything. And I, I'm kind of going in and I'm like, did I really imagine that? Did that really happen? Like, you just kind of get into this like place where you don't, you don't know. And so I get home from the surgery and I'm kind of, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm just sort of like, this makes me feel so uncomfortable. And here's the thing is I, I don't feel like he was trying to get his jollies off. I don't, I don't feel like he was like, I don't think it was a necessarily a power trip or maybe it was where he could just like throw it. And he was like swabbing me down. Like the, he was like mopping, you know, like, you know, swab, like whatever, sterilizing the area. It felt more careless than anything. So I go to my post-op visit and it's with a nurse practitioner. He's not there. And we go through the whole thing and she's looking at it. And she's like, your stitches look good. You're healing right. Come back in six weeks. And I was like, I need to tell you something. And she's like, what is it? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, look, 
at the surgery, I felt like right before I went to sleep, I could feel that my breasts and my my lady bits the down below are exposed, and it it felt very felt like almost like I was invisible. Like I don't know, it just it felt like he wasn't taking any care to make sure that I was comfortable, and it, I didn't feel safe. And it was the first thing I thought. It was the last thing I thought before I went to sleep, and the first thing I thought when I woke up. And she's like, initially, you could tell she's like, "Well, he's really thorough, and he wants to make sure that everything's sterile because he really wants to avoid infection." And I'm like, "I get that. I also want to avoid infection, but I don't think my boobs need to be exposed in order to like." And she's like, "Okay, I understand." And she, and you, but you could tell that she, I don't know, it just it felt really uncomfortable. And she's like, well, I will definitely bring this back to the group. And I start going into my little me in trouble. I don't want to like, I don't turn this into a thing. I just don't want this to happen again. And I just want him to be aware that like the power dynamic that's happening in there. Cause I was in a vo- very vulnerable position. I was drugged about to fall asleep. I was about to my body cut open and then I come to, and it, it, it just, nothing about it felt great. And I just wanted to let you know. And she's like, well, like, we'll, we'll talk about it with the team. And I kind of expected to get some kind of message from him, some kind of, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but I expected something, but I don't get it. So then today is my, was my six week follow-up appointment. And I was nervous. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if he's going to say anything to me. And I was kind of like, I wasn't afraid of it, but I was also like, I wonder how this is going to go. So I go into the appointment and I had to change into a gown again. And then he's like, all right, let's see it. And he's like, all right, it looks great. You never have to see me again if you don't want to. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, so how did, how did the surgery go? And all of a sudden I like, didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, it was fine. He's like, well, did, I mean, was, did anything happen that you weren't expecting? Or like, and I'm like, what? And he's like, you know, like for the healing, did you... You could tell that he was like trying to get me to say something and I didn't know what to say. And, you know, then he leaves the room and I left there and I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, it's like he was basically trying to get me to say something. Like we both knew that there was the he that I had said something and he, he was basically making me have to do the heavy lifting of bringing it up, of saying what he did wrong. Instead of saying to me, I understand that you had some uncomfortable uh, situations. I, I really do apologize in no way. You know, he, could have, he could have taken the reins there and said something. And the nurse practitioner came in and out and you could tell she was nervous too. So she must, I mean, it just felt, everything about it had an electricity to it that wasn't a positive electricity. And it felt like he was he was relying upon me to do the heavy lifting to be like, you made me feel uncomfortable and I wanted to, po- I don't know, I don't know what he was doing, but it didn't feel right. And I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> like, you know, that, that power dynamic is so shitty. And honestly, does it ever stop? Do we ever just get a hundred percent dignified situation? Like, it's just, it, it's like, I don't know. I really felt gross. So this is why it's the half-ass segment, not the whole last, because I I don't feel like I did that right. But I don't know what the right way to be was. I feel like saying anything in the first place took so much. I felt like I had to really like juice myself up to even say anything in the first place. And and now there's just another old white guy that did something gross and knows he did it and doesn't have to suffer any consequences for it because. I didn't have the wherewithal or the courage or the verbiage or the language or the role model really to get it taken care of in a in a way that felt satisfying to at least me. But if he would have just brought it up and said like, hey, 
I know that happened. I'm really sorry. It's not the way I operate, the, the way that I want to do that. I would have fallen over myself to apologize myself. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, mean to bring it up. Or maybe I would have said like, thank you for saying that because it did feel shitty. And I feel a bit better now that you know that you did that wrong and you're never going to do it again. <sighs> but he probably will. Anyway, the next time, hopefully there won't be a next time, but if there is one, I, I hope I have better, um, better language for that. Thanks for listening to All Up In My Lady Business. It is written by me, Mary Nisi. It is produced by Christina Soram Williams and Amelia Ruby with Softer Sounds. It is recorded at the Toast and Jam offices in Logan Square in Chicago. You can find resources and links from this episode in the show notes at allupinmyladybusiness.com. If you enjoyed this episode, and you did, smash that subscribe button. And if you're the kind of person that reviews things on the internet, please rate and review us wherever you listen to us. It really does help people find us. Follow us on all of your socials. And don't forget, whatever you do this week, do it with your whole ass. Thanks for listening.